Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, classic question, Sine. Mm -hmm. If they were to make a film or TV series about your life, who's going to play you? Oh. Mm. I wouldn't have picked Colin Firth for Michael Peterson, but it seemed to have worked okay. Let's see. I need someone pale... With mm-hmm. dark hair. Mm. He's relatively short. Okay. Christina Ritchie? Oh, yeah. That could work. What mm-hmm. about you? Colin Firth. <laughs> Hello there. Welcome to I Only Like You and Movies. And occasionally, television shows based on Netflix, true crime series <laughs> my name's Lonnie how are you going today good thank you do you remember watching the staircase the original Netflix or on Netflix I do remember uh, watching sorry. it and I remember at mm. the end us being like well what actually happened though bro and then mm. googling and finding the owl theory and being very annoyed that it wasn't included I know the owl theory seemed to come afterwards, didn't it? Mm, that this series sort of explained that that information wasn't available to the filmmakers at the time of wasn't yeah making it. So, mm. and I, don't, I think well, our theory at the beginning sounds silly, but until you actually look at it closely, you're like, well, maybe, maybe it was. Seem to hear Larry out, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast without knowing about either the HBO new show which we're doing today or the original series, or the original uh, actual crime that we that this series is all based on. Um, but just very briefly, Sonny, could you maybe just give us the quick rundown on what we're talking about? Sure. So Michael Peterson and his wife Kathleen lived in Durham. Durham where? Durham, North Carolina. Um, yeah. And essentially Kathleen is found dead at the bottom of a staircase. And mm-hmm. Michael Peterson is obviously the number one suspect. Um, and it's sort of like whether he did it or not, essentially. Yeah, so the original series, well, just after it all sort of went down, the beginning of it, um, he invited or was approached by filmmakers, he invited them into um, create a film about his experiences, um, which that decision makes me feel a bit more okay about talking about this murder in such detail, or this, mm. sorry, this crime in such detail, this crime, this event, I should say, <laughs> alleged crime, um, because I, I do feel a bit weird about true crime sometimes, especially some of the murder podcasts out there, which they sort of revel in it, and it's like, you know, it's a fun story, but like, it's actually someone's life you're talking about, you know? Yeah, it's a hard thing to be able to divorce critiquing the actual media that's being presented to us mm. without getting caught up in the who done it of it all because if i died or someone i love died it would be the most disgusting thing to have something made about them and people everywhere having opinions of what happened mm. like that would just be horrible and i don't 
while I understand the reasons people will watch true crime and especially women will listen to it, mm. it's hard to interpret the media. Like I just, I feel a bit funny about it. I don't know if well, that's 100% I mean, ethical, you know. Kathleen Pearson wasn't a public figure. No. Yet her, her death has been wildly speculated about. The only the thing that makes me pause about that and makes me kind of okay with it is the fact that they invited themselves to be part of this. They didn't have to do a documentary. Um, well, she whether didn't, though, after, is the issue. Oh, oh, absolutely. I think we can talk about Michael Peterson in great detail because of, mm. of that decision. That said, that doesn't stop them. You know, still have qualms about how he was portrayed and the ethics of all that, as we'll probably get into in a moment. Um, but it, it does, I just want to remind myself when I think about this, like this is an actual person, this isn't just a story we're talking about, mm-hmm. even though we are told the story, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we did watch the original documentary series, and I think it was supposed to be a film at the beginning and then it turned into a, a larger series and then eventually ended up on Netflix. I think there was the original series and then there was a few follow-ups over the years following him over about, 15 or so years from when the event happened to um, his eventual release from prison. Uh, the documentary was quite good from memory. Um, mm. We were into it. We were thrilled and enthralled from from get from get go. Um, so I was a bit surprised when they were making an HBO dramatization of that because it's kind of like, well, didn't we already see it in the documentary? Yeah, I similarly had some thoughts. I'm like, why are you making the exact same? You're just dramatizing mm. the exact same show, essentially. And then, mm. well, like, I watched it right <laughs> because, well, we you know we watch things for the podcast, and also it was advertised and getting quite good reviews. So I was like, I'll give it a go. Um, at the first episode, I was kind of like, this is covering ground I already know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then from there, the decision to then dramatize the the filmmaking. Of the documentary i think was was very interesting mm. and so it does kind of feel like you're getting um some extra insight to everything keeping in mind what we're watching is a dramatization of events you know in the documentary of course isn't exactly true events but at least the people are actually there this is someone's imagining of what happened it's still very interesting though wasn't it and i mean as I said at the beginning, I wasn't sure why they were doing it, but as it went on, I was like, this is a really good trauma series. Yeah. What do you reckon? No, I really liked it. I think it was really well put together. I agree. Like, I had those same sort of, that same hesitancy to get involved with it, but it kind of feels like maybe they should have disclosed something <laughs> when they made the documentary series. And that mm. something is that the editor was dating and having a personal relationship with the suspect yeah i don't recall that being part of the documentary hey no they kept uh, that, that raises quiet. eyebrows yeah at the very least yeah um that said you know if you're making a documentary about someone over many years you will form personal relationships i suppose but that, yeah. that feels like it's crossing a line doesn't it i feel like it crossed a line and also it wasn't disclosed to the audience and i think knowing that affects how you interpret the original series, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So that, that's this HBO uh, miniseries doesn't shy away from that. In fact, it's one of the key elements, especially in the sort of second half of the series about his relationship with the editor of the documentary. Very strange thing, isn't it? Just very, everything going on here is strange. The family strange. 
Mm. Michael Peterson is is a very odd person. Um, did you feel like you're watching Colin Firth doing a performance, or did you feel like you sort of transcended into being the person? I always saw Colin Firth, but mm. I kind of went. It was kind of, oh, Colin Firth is doing a good job pretending he's Michael Peterson. Sure. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Hmm. I think yeah. he's just too recognizable and. I don't know, this is the problem with fame and celebrity is that actors, their one job is to disappear into roles and become any character, but then the more famous they get, the harder that is for them to do. Mm. Did you ever let go and see Michael Peterson or were you seeing Colin the whole time? I mean, I think I was seeing a performance and mm. it wasn't quite a good performance, so I liked it. Um, I think it's something you said was it about um, Amanda Seyfried in The Dropout? And it's like, mm-hmm. she's so unknowable. Even the, we, we watch a whole series of, you know, someone trying to get under the skin and we still don't quite scratch the surface. I think a bit of that is the case here. I just really, I can't put my finger on this guy. Yeah. In real life or in, in the dramatization of his life. Weird dude. Just a lot yeah. going on. I mean, do, do we talk about it? What do we think? What are our theories? Do we... If we talk of the theory, okay, the theory, the main theory is that his his defense is that he found her at the bottom of the stairs. They're having some drinks after watching a movie. He she went inside and he was outside by the pool. He comes in a couple hours later and finds her at the bottom of the stairs. Brings the ambulance straight away. They come over, but it's too late, and it's a terrible accident. The police had a different theory: is that he was the only one home, and so it must have been. A murder and they found some motive or they found they found what they thought was evidence to put together for a motive mm. um i think it's pretty pretty clear to say that the investigation slash prosecution was pretty sloppy even if you know that that's kind of borne out in, in what happened since when some of the people who were part of the investigation lost their jobs and mm. you know his original conviction was thrown out um so they're the two main theories. Either he did it or it was an accident. The owl theory is a bit of a complication on that. Do you want to go for the owl theory, Sinead, given it's one of your favourites? I'll go through the owl theory. I'm, I'm not okay. sure where I land on the owl theory after watching this, but I'll go through it. Mm-hmm. So I know it sounds crazy, but bear with me. <laughs> so the theory is that there are these particular type of owls that only inhabit this very small location and of a certain time of year. They are more aggressive than usual because it's their, like, mating season. Mm -hmm. The theory is that an owl attacked Kathleen and she was either disoriented after that and fell down the stairs, compounding her already existing injuries, or Mm -hmm. I guess that the owl, the blood loss from the owl sort of did it. Mm. Evidence that we have to support this were... Scratches on the head without skull fractures, which is really difficult to do in a beating. The scratches match an owl's talon pretty perfectly. She Mm. had feathers in clumps of her hair that she had in her hands, um, sort of implying that she was trying to get something off her head or help her Mm. head in some way and pulled hair out and there were feathers within that. And there were also pine needles. Um, And it sounds bizarre trying to explain that to someone but these owls always attack the head 
they're incredibly aggressive that time of year, the door was open in this theory to the outside. Um, well, it seems to account for all the things, doesn't it? It does. And the mm. other thing is um, I was always thinking, like, that's a lot of blood for falling down the stairs. But head wounds mm. bleed like crazy. Like, if you've, if you've ever mm. had a cut on your head, you feel like you're going to die from blood loss. There's so much blood. So I feel like the owl theory in some ways goes a little bit of a way to explaining how much blood there was. The other forensic evidence we have is that there are two drops of her blood outside leading towards the front door, which mm -hmm. I can't remember if that was, you know, outlined in the original series long. I don't remember that bit. I don't know all the de I can't remember exactly all the details. And also, as the show says, there are sometimes details they don't include yes. for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Um, you see, yeah, the evidence against him was that um, he was having affairs Mm -hmm. um, in particular, he was having affairs with men and there was evidence of that on the computer, which seems like she might have used that night So, because she mm -hmm. was going to send an email to her work colleagues. Um, and even though Michael maintains for a long time that she knew about his bisexuality, he eventually admits that she didn't know. So that would seem like it was, it'd be a pretty clear evidence for at least a fight and then mm. even if it's not a premeditated murder maybe there was you know an altercation that led to that um and i still think like as crazy as it sounds like wouldn't it be terrible if it was just an accident mm. you know but i i don't know i really there's no, there's no clear-cut evidence for any of these theory like enough evidence to really prove no, it this is the thing that's what i like none of the theories account for all of the forensic evidence. Absolutely. And I think like whatever you think about all the evidence and all the motivations and what's most likely to have happened, I don't think they proved it enough in the original trial from what we've, what we've mm -hmm. shown. And that's, as I said, that was thrown out eventually. Um, so that was, seems like it's a bit of a miscarriage of justice in that sense, but that still doesn't get us any closer to what actually happened and get to a sense of justice for, uh, Kathleen Peterson, who who died, yeah. Like no matter what else happened, she did die, and we will never know what really happened. It seems. I think so. My my, I have two theories. I think that I've landed mm. on, mm -hmm. and I think both of them. I think the type of evidence that there is is just too bizarre for it to be straightforward. And mm. I actually think it's probably a combination of all the theories, but not in the way that we think. Um, like the So evidence that he killed her, I think they used, there was blood on the inside of his shorts, on his inner leg, implying mm. that he mm -hmm. was sort of standing over her as she was coughing and dying. That's about it for forensic evidence for him. Correct me if I'm wrong, because... Well, that, that's where they had to keep trying to find a murder weapon. Mm. And it seems like in the when they originally were prosecuting him, like at the very beginning, I should say, they were just sort of doing it without, and like in the absence of a murder weapon. Yeah. And they ended up theorizing that it was the blowpoke, mm -hmm. um, just like a, I guess like what you'd use to um, stoke a fire and also be able to blow through it to help the fire. Um, they couldn't find it, and then they did find it. And I'm still not sure what happened there. I still no. don't believe anyone's story about the Wipoke. Well, this is the thing. Because they had a complete investigation of the whole house, didn't they? The mm -hmm. police came there and just 
turned it inside out, I would have thought. But it was covered in cobwebs and dust, implying that it hadn't mm. been recently cleaned or moved. Um, and we probably Again, should mention guess... the relationship between the police and him. So he was running for mayor mm-hmm. and had a very fraught relationship with the police in the area. Um, yeah, and that's also something that colours the whole mm. um, story is that he was quite rich. Yes. He was, lived in a mansion. She was a high-powered executive. He was an author of some of some note, and he was getting involved in local politics. Um, and the fact that he could, you know, the fact that he was even asked to be in this documentary and the fact that he was able to pay for it and, and go on um, this whole journey is because he had so much money, right? Mm-hmm. That, that This doesn't happen to every single person in America who confronts the legal system. No. Um, but you're right, that, that does raise some, some wrinkles in the... In the police investigation, perhaps, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, because the blowpoke, as you said, so there were no skull fractures, which are very common with mm. beatings, apparently. They were wondering about the amount of blood. Um, she had a broken bone in the front of her neck, which they thought could have been caused from strangulation briefly. Mm. However, it's revealed that she actually injured her neck by jumping headfirst into a pool. <laughs> When she was drunk at a party. Mm. Yeah, a few weeks or a month before, and she was wearing a neck brace. So it's possible that's left over from that. Um, Mm. But, like, that's that's the evidence. There's no none of his skin under her nails, implying that she, like, fought off an attack. Mm. The thing that I'm unsure about is if she really fell down the stairs, why was the plasterboard of the wall not indented? Like when people punch walls, you leave a hole in it, right? Like, mm. and I would think that a head at such speed and force, unless it was a concrete or brick wall, in which case I can understand how she could have died that way because it's much more mm. of a sure. forceful impact. I wanted to know that and it was sort of left out. Mm. Yeah, I feel you. But I think my two theories I've landed on mm. are both of which they were never outside of the pool. I think the first theory Mm. is they had a fight after she found the gay material on his website and then she went outside to put out Christmas decorations because it sort of established that Kathleen really loves Christmas and there were sort of some family dynamic issues with Christmas about which kids were coming home for Christmas and not, and she was very upset and annoyed by all that. She They just had like a bad Thanksgiving, sort mm. of like we're going to have the perfect Christmas. And I can sort of see that that sort of rageful, like, well, if no one's going to help me, I'm just going to put it out myself, like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. She gets attacked by the owl, leaving the drops of blood outside. There was blood on the inside of the front door frame. And then she goes upstairs to find Michael and slips because she's disoriented. There's so much blood Mm. from her head wounds. And he doesn't intervene, I guess, in the death. Because it's sort of revealed that he's quite, he's not really a great guy sometimes, um, how he's portrayed in the series at least. Sort of a bit, holds grudges, a bit cold and callous sometimes. So I think perhaps him not intervening and helping, which is established. So he supposedly was in the army, right? Um, And should have known CPR, but he did not attempt CPR on her. He called back 10 minutes later to the ambulance Personally, I don't think that's weird that he called back, but it's weird that he didn't try to help more, I think. So that's my first theory is 
owl, fight plus owl plus not intervening in the death. And then my second theory is fight. He lashes out in sort of sees red in a fit of rage, which they explore throughout the Mm -hmm. series, comes to realizes what he's done. And in that way, it was more accidental in the sense that it wasn't premeditated. It was heated Mm. a moment sort of lashing out stuff. I can't explain that theory with the pine needles and the feathers, though. So that's why I think, I mean, the owl has to be involved in some way, doesn't doesn't it? Yeah, well, I've read some things, and I, I wish I'd watched rewatched it now. But there's some there's video from the HBO team of sort of behind the scenes, you know, mm-hmm. special features that you put on DVD, and it was about the owl theory and about there are some parts of it that don't quite work. And I think it was something to do with how the um the there was some explanation for the pine needles and things like that. Mm. I think they were like so microscopic that it could have just fallen into hair, sort of thing. That that sort of thing. I think. Yeah. Okay. Um. Also, I think, I think maybe the the aggression of the owls might have been overplayed by some some parties. Yeah, perhaps. perhaps. But yeah. So what did you but land on as your theory? I don't really know. I think, I think it's something in the accidental range or in the not premeditated range, I should say. Mm. Um, and the, at the very least, it sounds like he didn't intervene. Um, and as you said, maybe the head, the initial head knock wasn't enough to to cause immediate death, but perhaps then it, without you know, intervening for, you know, potentially hours, you know, that, that could have led to it. Like if she's there coughing like we, we saw in the yeah. those really distressing scenes yeah. in the series. But it's really hard to know, isn't it? And we'll never know because I don't think Michael Peterson's told the truth about anything. That's the thing, isn't it? I don't think ever will. Yeah, they establish in the series that he has a pattern of lies, lied about getting a purple Mm. heart in the war, Mm -hmm. Um, lied about having the affairs, lied about who he was having the affairs with. Yeah, and it sounds like that was a serial nature in his life, was Mm. always having affairs with Mm -hmm. other people, right? So, Yeah. Yeah, that's a really tough one. I I would like to know eventually, but we'll just never know, I don't think, unfortunately. I don't think... We'll ever get there. I they do entertain, I guess, a little fourth sort of sub theory at one stage is that perhaps someone else was involved, um, like a home intruder, um, and you know maybe she maybe she was beaten up and pushed down the stairs by someone else. There's no evidence of that, but I guess eventually you start looking for other answers, don't you? That that seems quite unlikely, but mm. I suppose suppose um so we've got the investigation we've got the legal battle which is quite involved um we also got the family mm. in the original series of course in real life and also here in the hbo series um a bit of a strange hodgepodge isn't it of of, of a family kids, yeah and I, I remember being a bit confused in the originally and, and this time it took me a while to remember out okay which one's his kids? Which one's her kids? Which ones are the kids they adopted? Yeah. Um, I had to look it up at the beginning of the series because I'd completely mm. forgotten and I just needed to get it straight before I watched Absolutely. anymore. So Kathleen has one daughter named Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael has two sons, Todd and... Clayton. Clayton. Mm-hmm. Um, with his first wife, Patty. 
Michael and Patty also adopted two girls, Martha and Margaret. Mm -hmm. And then they since split. So five kids in total, four of which are Patty and Michael's and one of which is Kathleen's. That's correct, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, It's a strange sort of combination, but they're they're very much um, behind their father. Mm. Um, Well, apart from Caitlin, who who sides with their mother's side of the family. Mm. It would have been really difficult being in this family um, when this happens. It just, I, I don't envy anybody involved. Um, but all very interesting children, aren't they? As mm. a family, mm. very compelling. I remember the the daughters, especially being in the, in the original series, um, just really taking on the case and 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 being involved. And they're they're quite beguiling, especially Martha in this show, played by Odessa Young, Australian actress. Just can't work out what's going on, you know. And I don't think they can either. Imagine being young, finding yourself, and also this happens. It just would have been a terrible event, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. All star cast, though, we should say for the for the family. Hey, yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's go through them. We've got uh, Dane DeHaan as Clayton. So he's the oldest son, but in some ways he feels like the youngest son, doesn't he? Because mm. he's had his own issues. Um, there's, just... there's, there's obviously there's rivalry between the brothers, isn't there? Sure. Yeah. Here's the problem with Dane. I can't ever see him as anyone else. <laughs> Other than Harry Osborne. I always think he's got something sus going on. It's just the way he looks. <laughs> he does have that look, doesn't he? Um, and if they, I think that's that's well played in this series because he has had a troubled past, but then he sort of comes through as the good son eventually, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, the more reliable one, despite what he's done, despite his own prison time, which has embarrassed the family. Um, Caitlin is, is played by Olivia... Uh, Dijon, and she's an Australian actress too. Is just seen in Elvis mm. um, as Priscilla. Um, she doesn't get as much to do after she breaks off from the family because it mainly follows the family, doesn't it? Like yeah. the the core. Um, but very difficult relationship to be in, and especially when she initially supports him and then is like, just turns what turns away. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, Patrick Schwarzenegger, I guess you know his background from that name. Um, he's actually a pretty good actor, I thought. I thought he's he one I hadn't come across before. Really, really great. I really loved his mm. performance. Felt yeah, very he's tall, real, by the way. Felt very lived in. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like he was acting at any point in the series. He was, mm. he was really great. 
guess it helps that the first time I've seen him as well. He, True, yeah. He's this guy. But, yeah, I know what you mean. He, He's the youngest son, but he's like the model son in lots of ways, the favourite son. But then, yeah, his life goes off the rails because of this event. Mm. Um, Sophie Turner, which we aren't, li- aren't hugely into not knowing, not having seen much of Game of Thrones, um, but she's, she's Margaret Radcliffe, the older daughter. Um, probably like the the beating heart of the family in the in the series in some ways. Yeah, I feel like her Margaret and Martha's relationship is really the focus of the series, yeah, and it, it sort of felt absolutely. like the center of the family as well. And they mm. had great chemistry together, and I believed that they were sisters, and I just thought they were both really really good. Mm. So it's um it's a really interesting arc they go on the the family and the kids from. Being there every day with their father, putting their own lives on on hold mm-hmm. for him and to to support him going to every day of the trial and whatnot, and then eventually as it goes on, they're like, we have to live our own lives. Yeah, and they're not even there to support him once he eventually sort of is done with the legal system. Mm. I thought that was a really um, interesting and mature decision they all had to make. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Like all of their lives mm. have been changed forever and they have had this really tragic thing happened and it's never, like they're never going to be free of it. Um, no. And like it is for us to say sit back here and it's like you've put your own, you, you've, you know, put everything behind your dad but you know, for what? You know, potentially mm. you're supporting a liar. Mm. There's also Juliette Binoche we should mention. Absolutely. He plays the editor of the French documentary team who ends up mm-hmm. having a personal relationship with Michael Peterson. Juliet's always great. Not entirely sure about her wigs. Not entirely sure that that all worked. <laughs> I did wonder what you thought of the wigs. <laughs> but she's always wonderful and, you know, probably the best French actress to ever live. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if I said that um, Odessa Young was beguiling, mm-hmm. Julia Binoche's character, what the hell is going on here, right? Yeah. She falls in love with this guy via editing his documentary and believing in his story, which, you know, we all, we all need advocates, but she, like, uproots her whole life to support him. I she just can't. leaves her own family. Yeah, leaves her own family, moves countries, and then tragically at the end... He says, all right, I'm done with you. Yeah. Now, that's a theory I've, I've read online about this Michael Peterson guy is that potentially he was romantically heterosexual but sexually attracted to men. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I, you know, I'm not trying to pathologize or think too much about people's sexuality, right? But there's clear evidence in the series, at least, and how it's portrayed that he used women for their love and support and those elements of the marriage, but then still needed um, sexual release with men outside of that. And he definitely used her, right? Like that's, we can pretty much agree on that. Yeah. I think pretty he used blatantly. Her. Yeah. He used her like romantic and uh, emotional support, but also her help with the documentary. Like that was formed by this relationship they formed mm-hmm. yeah all time theories when he's in jail he has her for letters and visits and then support as he leaves jail and he's living and you know still with the specter of the trial the retrial 
sort of hanging around. And then once it's all done, it's, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely go to Paris with you. Actually, maybe not. Now think about it. Maybe mm. not straight away mm. or ever. That said, though, I mean, she did kind of impose herself on his life. It would have been quite difficult for him to, you know, break it off in any other way apart from dramatically and heartbreakingly. Still, odd, right? Just really, really odd, odd quirk. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd be editing a documentary about a potential murderer and, who, you know, a guy who killed his wife and then I want to become the wife. That's just very odd, isn't it? Yeah, weird thing to do. I'm just going to mention the fact that Kathleen Peterson wasn't the first woman that he found at the bottom of the stairs dead. Yes, which is a crucial piece of knowledge that I still can't sort of pass into any of the theories. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. But mm. weird things do happen, but then mm-hmm. we should mention the circumstances of the first woman was it was Michael and Patty's next-door neighbour. Her husband was off at war, I think, somewhere. They are living in Germany in, like, Air Force sort of. Yes. I think, yeah, so he was off. And Michael kept going over to help around the house is how it's mm. phrased. And then finds her dead at the bottom of the stairs and he is very quick to say, oh, she had an aneurysm. That's that's why she fell. And everyone sort of just goes with it, it seems. Yeah. All of that seems very suspicious. Mm. Just, I don't know, Patty says that he wouldn't have been able to have an affair with her without her knowing. But Patty, <laughs> listen... <laughs> Maybe it wasn't an affair. Maybe it was, who knows? It's it's impossible to know what happened there, mm. isn't it? Mm. And then the fact that they they adopted the kids, but then when the kids became too difficult, he tried to get rid of them as well, which is be pretty tough, hey, to, to yeah. with that knowledge. That seems to be a, a common theme in his character, though, because once Caitlin said that she wasn't going to support him, he was like, right, stuff her. She's No one ever gets to mm-hmm. talk to her again. She's cut off. We don't need her. Who cares? Mm. It's very yeah, not to mention like in in before the the death happens in the series, we it's portrayed that he gets Margaret's college um, grades and they're bad, and so he blacklists her for a little mm-hmm. while and says you can't, you have to fly, fly your own way home, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yeah. For sure. All ego and all. Yeah. You know, I just don't get it. What's, no. What happens to me? I don't know. <laughs> We should quickly mention, as so we spoke about Colin Firth a bit, Tony Collette plays Kathleen Peterson. Mm. I always saw Tony Collette, but again, it was a good performance. I just, she doesn't disappear for me. No, especially, it's a bit funny here watching all these, um, you know, Australians and, and British people playing Americans. Like, does America have any actors left? Are we all taken over? Maybe we're all, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. She... I think Tony Clare's always good, but there's just always something about it that is like, here's my performance, watch me, watch me act. Yeah, you said this. I don't, I don't really get that feeling from her, but... I don't know, maybe it's just the latest things I've seen her in against other people's yeah, acting styles. Maybe. Back in her early days, of course, she disappeared into Muriel and mm. um, Sixth Sense Lady and whatnot, but yeah. Her Again, actual just character maybe name, Sixth Sense Lady. I think that's what the name of it, yeah. The character, Six Sixth yeah. Sense Boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah, it's it's you can definitely see why she would take on this role though. It's a it's mm. you know it's a tragic role, but also a meaty sort of she gets to 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 dramatize the the, the someone who is known just for their their death. Mm-hmm. That would have been a great challenge as an actor, um, especially in these. The, you know, we see the theories play out, don't we? We yes. see the murders, and they were really tough. Like I'm not one who, who generally like flinches away from watching the screen, but I did when she's fallen down the stairs or being beaten and then is coughing blood and yeah. it's very intense. It's the way it's shot, right? It's often shot from the top of the staircase looking down as one long take with no cuts, just having blood and bleeding and watching mm. her convulse and die. It's it's quite confronting footage. Mm. And we do see all three, and so by the time the third one comes around, you see the beginning shot of what we know now is the a theory sequence mm-hmm. you're like oh here we go yeah you're on edge the whole time aren't you they, they use the shot by the pool is that what you mean to establish mm-hmm. right yeah. we're in the theory and then they sort yeah. of do a nice sidestep at the end where we think it's a, the final theory we think we're going to no, finally know what happened mm. but it's not it's michael thinking about what their lives would have been like if she was still there mm-hmm. um, but if i recall Sine, there was a brief flash during that scene of him with the blowpoke do you remember this? No. Do you think? Th- oh, you think I just got an- What? <laughs> I think there was a, a brief indication in that sequence to, at the very in the last episode, within the last few minutes, where it's like the filmmakers kind of saying, "But yeah, we think this is what actually happened. Like we're pretty sure." Yeah. Well, That's there's that interesting theory. moment at the end where he breaks the fourth wall, looks directly into the lens, and has a sneaky little smile. And I mm. think the filmmaker's intentions are quite obvious there. I think they think that he did it. And I think it's presented to us that he did it. It's he just got away not, with it. Yeah, he got away with it and we're not entirely sure how. Mm. There's one last cast member, Lonnie, which I think we should cover. One of our faves, Michael Stuhlbach, is in this. But yeah. you think miscast, perhaps. Well... Just in relation to what I recall of David Rudolph, the lawyer from the, the main series, mm-hmm. I always remember him in the documentary being like a bit of a hard edge and a bit of a conniving lawyer. Like, And yeah, I mean that with all due respect to him as a lawyer, like that's his job, right? I feel like Michael Stuhlbarg is, is too much of a teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> and while, I, while I thought he was great and he, he does do that, I don't know, maybe it's just my memory not quite matching up to what I recall of the lawyer. Mm. But Michael Stuhlbarg was kind of, you know, too much kindness in his voice and his mannerisms potentially. Too much of a sweetheart. He definitely is. <laughs> um, also want to mention Larry, who's the neighbour of mm. of Michael, and he's the one who is the proponent of the owl theory. He's played by Joel McKinnon Miller, um, who is one of the the cops in Brooklyn Nine Nine, which I don't, I know you haven't seen too much of, Sine, if at all. Um, I've but seen there's the like, first two episodes. Well, <laughs> it's funny because he plays um, Scully, who's one of the older sort of incompetent cops who just sort of gets into mishaps and is obsessed with food and whatever. Oh, okay. And he's like, he's a he's an established character, but he's the comic relief within a comedy. You know, like he is. Hmm. One of the dumber characters. So to see him here in a, re- a real role and then he, he's the one who's got potentially the theory that unlocks it all was, was quite interesting and fun. Yeah. Um, and I like him, so it was, it was cool. But 
after just binging eight seasons of that, um, pretty much just before watching this, I'm like a bit of whiplash. Yeah. Seeing him in a real role, you know. Yeah. Also, Parker Posey's in this as as Frida Black, the one of the prosecutors in the yeah. case. Yeah. What's she been in? Cool. She's very familiar. What hasn't she been in? She, um, I think she was in Days and Confused back in the day. Oh. As, yeah. As early days. Lots of um, Superman Returns, Scream 3, you've got Male, Dressing the Pussycat, she's one of the main people in that. Oh, okay. I think I've just realised I confuse her with the lady from Schitt's Creek. Oh, yeah. What's her name? Stevie. (laughs) Stevie, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Same vibe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, same vibe. I found that the structure of the show annoyed me sometimes we we jump between Mm. timelines so often (laughs) so so Mm. often there's like present day in a way where the murder just happened there's a bit later when they're making the documentary there's him in prison for the first time him at home on house arrest him in prison for the second time and him really old and they're all sort of marked with a little lower third saying you know, what date it is um, and how many years after the death it is, which, good, I wouldn't have been able to do anything if that wasn't there. But I still found myself being like, why did he just say that? He just told so-and-so that. And I'm like, oh, that was from, that didn't just happen. That was from 10 years from now. Gotcha. Um, and maybe that's just me not being smart enough to <laughs> follow on with all the connections they're drawing by placing scenes next to each other. But I was a bit confused at several points and I I had to sort of go, I had to take time and be like, oh, okay, right, I get where we are in the timeline now. Did you find that too or is that just me? No, well, I feel like the wigs also tried to help at some certain points. True. The the hair lengths and and whatnot. Um, Some of the kids go through various um, (laughs) wigs and hairstyles, which it is hard to to keep track of it. Yeah. Um, Sophie Turner's wigs are horrendous. (laughs) Yeah, I think if it would have just been from where to go from mm-hmm. chronologically, that might have been too much like the original show. So yes, I agree. I think it was an interesting way to do it, but it was a bit whiplashy. And I guess what they're doing—they're making it people like us who've already seen the original. So yeah, that, that helps you. I think if you had no idea what was going on, it might have been. Yeah, much that's more an interesting thought. What if this was your first introduction to mm. the crime and the story and and the people? Did you follow it? Like, if you're that person, mm. did you follow it? Or did you go back and watch the documentary to flesh out your understanding? Or I, Yeah, and also, I think the way we watched it, I I liked because we knew all the, the highlights of the story and some of them maybe we need to be reminded of, but they sort of came back to us. Mm-hmm. But if you just watched it like a week before and then you started this, it might have been a bit um, deja vu-y all the way through, potentially. Mm. So I liked having knowing everything but not having it fresh in my mind so I could sort of still enjoy the story as, as it's revealed to me. Yeah. But I guess some folks would have just watched it, you know, straight up, back to back. Mm. I just wanted to finish up talking about what actually happens to Michael in the end and how he gets out of prison because he's originally mm-hmm. sentenced to a life, life sentence in prison mm. um, and found guilty. And... He loses a couple of appeals and appeals on a technicality because some of the evidence was not 
Um, well, there was some corruption going on, essentially, in the it was, prosecution. It was manufactured evidence, it seems. Yes, yeah. yeah. So how he ends up at the end getting out of prison is he pleads an Alford plea, which seems, from an Australian perspective, seems like the most bizarre thing to be able mm. to do. Essentially, you say, oh, I see that evidence you've got on me. Touche. Well done. Yep, that's quite a bit of evidence. And I agree that if you presented that to a jury, they would find me guilty because of your evidence. So I'm just going to let everyone know that I understand that. And I'm going to plead not, I'm going to plead guilty, but only because you've done well there. You've done well getting the evidence. And yeah. I know that if I plead not guilty, I'm going to be sentenced. But if I, if I tell you I might have done it, then you'll let me out. Crazy well, thing. It's the, it's the way to plead guilty, but still maintain your innocence, which doesn't make sense. It, that's it, a paradox, isn't no, it? No, it's like, it's so bizarre. So bizarre. I, I think it was his only option, though, at that stage. It was his only option to get out of jail, but yeah. they explore in the film, like, once you say that you've sort of done it, mm. you've sort of done it then, like... I really, I really wonder if if there'll be a deathbed confession or something like that, but yeah, we'll never know. I don't think really. I hate not knowing. It's the worst. <laughs> I said to you privately, there are a few things I'd like to know the actual answer to a mystery. You know, mm. DB Cooper is the main one, obviously. Um, yes, but this one I think I would like to know. Mm. Um, not in like a sort of lurid way. I just like just because. It has been such a, a compelling and um, a story that has t- taken the world by storm, if, you, if I can say that. Um, it'd be good to know, wouldn't it? Well, this is when it'd I pitched to, to you my my theory, right? So I mm. reckon that when you reach like, I don't know, maybe 90, 95, you get mm-hmm. two questions you can ask about like the universe, the world, society, mm-hmm. And you get taken to a little room and people tell you, you get to ask two questions like who shot JFK, what happened, and you get to know Mm. the answer. And then Mm. they're like, all right, you've had your, like at the end of your life, it all sort of gets revealed and you can die peaceful (laughs) and happy knowing the answers to a couple of questions you had. Mm. Interesting. I think this would be great. Can anyone implement this? I mean, I, I guess we'd have to know the thing to be able to tell people what the answer is, but that's a small detail. I'm sure we can figure that out. Yeah, surely someone can do it. Someone out there. Someone, you know. Um, I just want to briefly mention that so from what I understand, this show was sort of the rights of it and the original materials were sort of signed off to um, Antonio Campos, who, who created and directed a lot of it and wrote a lot of it, right, mm-hmm. um, from a documentary like Inspired By, right? And mm-hmm. it seems though like the documentary team aren't particularly happy about their betrayal? No, I saw that. I'm uncomfortable about it, it says here. Um, especially they're, they're saying it mis- misrepresented the the relationship between Sophie, the editor, and Michael Peterson. But it's like, well, you guys didn't even disclose it. So yeah. I'm not sure who to believe there. Um, and, yeah, Dave Rudolph, I read an article from him, the lawyer, saying it's like he had a big chat apparently, he like had a massive meeting with the director and then you know, sort of, Felt like they were on the same page about it all. Mm. And then he watched the series and it was factually all over the place. 
And, you know, I guess we're not looking for complete accuracy in a dramatization, and you're never going to get that in any sort of um, series. Still, it, it um, it's a bit of a bugbear of mine that just, you know, changing the story to for dramatic reasons sometimes really annoys me. Yeah. For some reason, it didn't annoy me too much here, but I guess that's because there is a documentary out there and also what's truth in this case. It's really difficult to know what actually happened. So Yeah, that's a good point. And also, like, of course they're going to think that this is bias because they believe Michael. <laughs> and, of course, Michael isn't going to mm. like how he's portrayed because they're essentially telling us he did it. So it's hard to differentiate what's valid criticism and what is them being quite biased and protective of Michael and mm. what they believe happened, you know? Yeah, and you're totally right what you said before. It's like if, if, if I happened to be murdered, I wouldn't want a series to be made about it necessarily. But also, mm. like, I don't think I want a series made by anyone <laughs> about my life. No. Because, and so I, I, there is a part of me that feels for the real people involved here because through, especially the kids, you know, through no fault of their own, yeah. All of a sudden, Sophie Turner is playing you in a series that everyone is going to take as, you know, if not the actual truth, pretty close to what happened. Um, tough. Real yeah. tough. Yeah. All right, it's hard to sort of give a rating, isn't it? But I, I guess we're going to rate the HBO show in, in terms of what it was and what it did and yes. our reaction to it. It's pretty high quality filmmaking, isn't it? It is. It's pretty... Well, like, it's very well done. The different theories were presented in interesting ways. Um, Mm -hmm. Even though they were visually shocking, it was nice to see them play out because we obviously didn't get that Mm -hmm. in the documentary. Um, I think I'm going to give it four stars maybe. One star being taken off for... It was a little bit convoluted, the jumping around, and um, I lost some of the meaning and and the message during those leaps through time, I think. Yeah. I'd agree with that. It's been a few weeks since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder as well maybe if it was an episode or two too long, potentially. Yes. it. It's but I enjoyed it all. So Eight episodes, is it know. not? Hmm. Mm. It doesn't feel like they were too... It wasn't more much flab, I don't think. It was just... I don't know. It was... I don't know. It was, in some ways, it was a hard watch because it was, you know, difficult circumstances. On the other hand, very well done. Great performances, great writing, great filmmaking. So... I enjoyed every episode. Yeah. But, I, and I, you know, that's the problem with true crime, unresolved things. We, we don't know. It's mm. always going to be a little bit unsatisfying, isn't it? Yes. I also just wanted to say, I know we started the podcast saying that we don't think it's really ethical to talk about the murder of someone and then we just spoke about it for an hour. Mm-hmm. I yeah. hope the way that we've done it is respectful and thoughtful and considering how these things are portrayed in a piece of media i don't feel like we're you know doing a get ready with me putting on makeup and talking about true crime um which i personally find do they, distasteful do they do that do they yeah there's a lady on youtube who that's her whole mm. thing right um and so i don't i don't know i feel conflicted even covering this but i hope that our listeners understand that we're trying our best to be respectful and yeah, consider it. Absolutely. I hope that's true. Um, and as I said, when you invite a, a filmmaking crew into your, into your life, that's kind of opens up to you, yourself to this sort of thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. It's unfortunate that he didn't 
didn't consult the children and also unfortunate mm. that Kathleen didn't really have a say, I guess. Also, if I'm up for murder, I don't think I would be doing that myself. No. See, this is the thing in mm. itself. Like, he's he's so portrayed as, allegedly, oh, my God, are we going to get sued? Um, <laughs> so egotistical and narcissistic mm. that he can't even say no to a documentary being produced mm. about him. I guess there's that sense that he thought that they could portray the truth and he would get, you know, exonerated based on evidence that they would find and discover, but it probably wouldn't get you a very fair jury if it had gone mm. the way that he perhaps thought it would. Um, and interestingly, at the end, they sort of said, yeah, it's impossible to get a fair trial because he, this case is so well known. And he lived in mm. Durham for, like, he's he's living there now for the rest of his life. He didn't mm. go anywhere, even though he could. Another weird piece of the puzzle that just, yeah, none of it quite fits together. Tough one. A really tough one. I would recommend you watch it though. I don't know. I'm not sure how much sense it's going to make if you haven't seen the original um, docuseries, but mm. still give it a go on HBO on, on Binge and the Foxtels down here in Australia. Uh, okay, so they, do we do an episode of this back in the day of the docuseries? I think we'll so. We do the pod, I think. But we'll... Let me check. Just okay, you, you check. While you check, I'm going to tell the listeners that we're on twitter so now he's on there giving updates be great if you got in touch with us and uh, let us know your theories and what you thought of this show um, yeah we did season three episode one 13th of august 2018 i'll link it in the show notes if i can interesting all right then um well thank you for listening i know it's been a bit of a hard listening and a hard discussion but you know we'll be back something a bit more light next time i reckon yeah Thank you very much. See you next time. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.